Hello and welcome to this special joint edition of the Lib Dem podcast and the Nevermind the Jabbar Charts podcast. We are analysing the local election results. Um, one bit of housekeeping, if you do uh, listen to us regularly, make sure you subscribe because it becomes even easier to listen to us. And if our sleep-deprived faces aren't too offensive to you, why don't you watch us on Facebook and YouTube and subscribe to them as well? Um, before I introduce our absolutely amazing panel, I just want to say that for on the most part, as we all know, Lib Dems have had a very good night. For those Lib Dems that didn't get over the line, didn't get the results they wanted, we want to thank you. I've been in that position where sometimes the party's done very well and I lost by 1%. So I know what you're going through, but every leaflet you've delivered, every door you've knocked, every candidate you've put up has sent a message that we want a more liberal society and a better and a better society than we're getting from the Conservatives. So thank you so much for everything you're doing and I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. And we will get to our wonderful panel now. First up is one of my favourite people, because last time we met, she surprised me with beautiful Welsh cheese and lamb biscuits for the dog. So it, we can't really get better than that. And of course, we're talking about Jane Dodds, the leader of the Welsh Lib Dems, a member of the Senate. Welcome back to the podcast, Jane. Thank you, dear. How are you? And next we have a returning guest, a campaign extraordinaire, from Edinburgh, newly elected as of a day or so ago, um, but we hasn't had been on the podcast since he outrageously shot to the most popular episode on his first attempt. But we've decided it's it's okay to have him back now. Welcome, Kevin Lang. Hello, great to be back with you, John. And lastly, but of course, by no means leastly, we have the the man who sat in the guru and the den of Lib Dem election geekery. We have Mark Pack, party president author, activist, and host of the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Lovely to join you again, John. Right. So let's get, we'll get the the, the kind of easier bit done first. Let's talk about some of the statistics. Okay. So Mark, we've actually had a few different statistics. I think there's some groups like The Guardian has a slightly different statistic from the BBC. So let's just clear up uh, first, Mark, how good a day have have the Lib Dems had? Stonkingly good even on the Guardian's slightly inferior statistics, which don't properly allow for the boundary changes. Um, So here are two fun statistics. We've made, at the time of recording, 221 net gains across England, Scotland and Wales, which, if you look at the results in England, where these seats are up on, you know, a four-yearly cycle, the last time we made as many net gains in this year in the four-yearly cycle was way back in 1994, Paddy Ashdown's time. Or our net share, our overall equivalent national share of the vote across the UK this time, 19%, the same as we got in our miracle local election year in 2019. But it's therefore our joint best since we went into coalition back in 2010. And I think that's significant for the breadth of that um, recovery. But perhaps my favourite example of what a good set of results it is, is I won't name the place in fairness to them, but there's a place that I went to a few weeks back, only a few weeks back, not years back, to do a, uh, do an event ahead of the local elections, talk to them about their plans and so on. And I said, oh, you know, if you win all of those seats that you're targeting, we'd be a bit close to control of the council. Are we, you know, are we not going for... And they were very definite, no, that's just too much of a stretch. We're standing candidates, but... And that place now has a Lib Dem council leader with a stonking majority. <laughs> Absolute, genuine, exceeding of expectations. 
Wonderful. Right, Jane, we'll come to you first. What are your first impressions and how are the Welsh Lib Dems feeling this morning? Well, we're feeling very positive and very buoyant. Um, you know, it was a good good day for us. Uh, we gained uh, the most council seats than uh, we, we have had since 2008. Um, and in Powys, obviously where I live, we are the biggest group on the council, uh, knocking the Conservatives out. So that's really, really quite lovely. Um, I think one of the other little things that I just want to throw in is I think, we think, we're looking back on the statistics, but we think we've elected the youngest councillor in Powys who's aged 22. Now, I know most of you will think 22, that's not very young, you know, but in Powys, that is ultra young. He may as well be three years old, really, to, to be able to serve on Powys Council. So, you know, we've got an amazing array of councillors here in Powys. We've got more women. We've got more parents. We've got more carers. We've got more young people serving in Powys and across Wales. My final word is just that we were so sorry to lose some really hardworking councillors, uh, particularly in Monmouthshire. We sadly lost all of our councillors in Monmouthshire. It did turn from being the last Conservative controlled council in Wales to now being um, Labour uh, controlled, uh, they're the biggest group. But we were so sorry to lose that, that our five, and, five or six councillors there. And it is important, isn't it, which you did note at the beginning, John, and I know Mark and Kevin, um, you know, were nodding uh, enthusiastically too. You know, so many people have served uh, as councillors um, across the UK. Uh, we did also lose our longest serving councillor. He lost his seat in Wrexham in Offer Ward. He'd served for 50 years mm. um, and he lost his seat. So, you know, it's always a mixture, isn't it? Uh, mm. And I'm always aware that we can't be too celebratory and too jubilant because some people have put their heart and soul into serving their communities. And um, it's really important to thank them. Yeah, and I suppose uh, every election is different, isn't that right, Kevin? But you know, we and you know, sometimes politics is a brutal game, is and and you sometimes you don't get the results you deserve. But what's the feeling like up in Scotland? Yeah, so I think this is our best set of elections in Scotland for well over a decade. Um, Twenty gains overall, but for me, what was special about the results that we saw yesterday in Scotland? was that we were winning in places that we've not won in, in a long time. And actually winning in places in which we've never won. A great example was Sally Packle in Linlithgow. We have never in the history of the party won a councillor in West Lothian Council. And Sally Packle saw to that yesterday. And when Alex Cole Hamilton became leader last year in Scotland, he was very clear in saying that he wanted us to be winning again outside of our strongholds in West Edinburgh, North East Fife, Orkney, Shetland. Um, and we were winning seats in Cambus Lang, in deepest, darkest Lanarkshire in Hamilton, in central Aberdeen, rural Perthshire. You know, new candidates, new councillors being elected in new places. And I think that's the thing for me um, that is the most positive thing. It's not just one of our best results, but those results were spread broadly across many parts of Scotland. And I'm going to ask you all to kind of come up with the, your other highlights of the night. It doesn't have to be where you are, it could be absolutely anyone. Like So for me, I had two highlights. Firstly was 
Tim Farron's patch taking the new council, the Westmoreland and Furness council is absolutely stonking. They did, Tories did everything possible to make sure we were going to be hard hit by those boundary changes and they just rolled up their sleeves up there as they do every year and really went for it which was excellent and also in a slightly cheeky uh way the new tory uh, the tory gentleman that's in charge of how to beat the lib dems who commented on that maybe the tories should listen to the lib dem podcast lost his seat to the lib dems so i don't know if that means he listened too much to the lib dem podcast or he didn't listen enough but either way that was a, that was an extraordinary situation what about you mark what were your highlights uh, oh so many to choose so i guess one echoing kevin's point about how great the results were in scotland seeing molly nolan elected to the council she is just such a fantastic person such a burst of energy and enthusiasm so that was lovely i guess it's quite fun that the bbc offices in media city are now represented by a lib dem councillor yep so uh, who knows whether that may encourage them. To I think that might coverage. be, I think that's Alex. Alex was a councillor here in Preston and yeah. then decided to go to Salford and thought, I'm going to have a go at this. Yeah. And he narrowly missed out last year and then take, taken it this year. Brilliant. And the um, the ALDC offices also now have a Lib Dem, Dem councillor as well. But I guess one of the other really pleasing results was in Brent. We had an amazing by-election win with Anton getting elected a, a, a little while back. And not only did he hold his seat this time, uh, we've gained another couple of seats, including a seat in another ward. Um, and therefore, it's, you know, it's, it's not only that he broke through onto the council, but they're now progressing to being a small council group and in due course, hopefully a much bigger council group. And there's a lot of that places where we had just missed out or just had one councillor or two councillors growing a bit, which is a really important part of our progress alongside just the ludicrously good results in you know, Lib Dem MP constituencies. It's slightly embarrassing how few Tories there are in St. Albans or Richmond now or Kingston. So, Jane, what about you? What are your highlights? Because Wales going through quite a bit of a change, but it could be anywhere in the, anywhere in the country at all, anywhere in the UK. Um, well, I am going to focus on Wales, of course. So I'm going to focus on Paris because, you know, we really do want to win Preckin and Radnisher back to being Liberal Democrat in the parliamentary elections. And this has given us an ideal uh, foundation for that because most of our seats that we won were actually in uh, that part of the seats. Uh, we took the council leader out, so we won against her. And we, like all of you, were seeing uh, our councillors win in places we didn't think we had to hope. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, you know, tears were shed uh, because people were winning when they just thought they hadn't a, a chance. Certainly for me, going forward, the whole of Wales has done brilliantly, but we've got to build strategically and the next strategic set of elections, I think, for us are going to be the parliamentary ones. So this has given us a brilliant foundation, a brilliant activist base and an opportunity for us to get Brecken and Randisha back um, in the parliamentary elections whenever they are. As others have said, so many to choose from. A couple of big highlights for me. Um, one was Odd Bubaker Calder and Dunfermline, who lost by two votes in a by-election um, a few years back and came back and topped the poll in her ward. Wasn't even incumbent, obviously, but topped the poll in Dunfermline. And I thought it was just a great story of if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And uh, it's wonderful to see her in, in Fife. The other one, um, for me, much closer to home in Edinburgh, we had a ward in Edinburgh 
And I will hold my hands up and say at no point did I believe that we had any chance of winning in this ward at any point. And dare I say, even got a little bit grumpy at some points when the candidate was plugging away in the wards. Um, Jack Caldwell, a young candidate um, in the Leithwalk ward, one of the strongest wards for the SNP and the Greens, he worked so phenomenally hard I'm so glad that he ignored every single thing that I said to him uh, <laughs> over the last five weeks and kept uh, plugging away. And uh, Jane talked about tears being shed. I'll hold my hands up. And I was in bits at his declaration because I am so incredibly proud of him and everything that he did to pull off a Lib Dem victory in a ward like Leith Leithwalk was utterly extraordinary. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose some of the other highlights we should just touch on, we've talked about the candidates, we also, we took, let me just confirm, Mark, we got three, well, it's actually five new councils, are we accepting, but 16 in total, now the Lib Dems run? Yeah, with the sort of the two new unitaries, it depends slightly how you count the numbers, but absolutely, there were more Lib Dem council leaders now than there were, and again, that's way above our expectations, you know, when internally people were running the numbers a few months ago, you know, what might we hope to achieve this time? The view very much was this is a this isn't a round of elections where we'll make dramatic headline gains in the number of councils that we run, and we absolutely proved ourselves wrong on that. And I think that's just you know I mean it's easy to focus on both the very micro stories about the individual councillors or the macro story about national politics, but let's not forget that's a whole batch of councils which have a real power mm. to change people's lives for the better. Really important roles in education in social services as well as you know our favorite potholes and the like and so much more so many more Lib Dems in power I was going to say today well actually technically they don't take up office for another couple of days but shortly so many more Lib Dems in power which in the end you know that's why we're a political party not a pressure group or a think tank it's because fighting elections and taking power is is the reason for being a political party not a residence association not a think tank and that is just fantastic news and I suppose oh, the, the the breadth of kind of so obviously the big early victory was Lib Dems taking Hull off Labour. That was I mean, if anyone's been to Hull, that is a an all out kind of fist fight kind of area between the Lib Dems uh, and Labour. But also, and then late in the day, we kind of got Somerset as well, which is a, a stonking result down in Somerset. And what that kind of that trend shows, I think that was the big thing. When obviously Ed came out and did his speech in front of the Somerset um, the Somerset group. But that it really showed a kind of Lib Dems on the rise in multiple places. And that, and that, I mean, you all must have been happy with the media we were getting that next day. So do we think Lib Dems clear winners on the night? Anyone want to come in? I think you'll get a chorus of yeses. Okay, fair enough. That's okay. Whichever one of us hit the mute button first there. <laughs> what 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 do we think of Labour then? Let's let's have a let's let's go through some of the other parties. So for me here in, in the northwest of England, I think Labour will be pretty disappointed going backwards in places like Pendle. You know, they, okay, they took Rossendale and East Lanks, but actually did very little anywhere else. Um, what what are impressions? Let's go to Kevin first. What are your thoughts on where Labour sit this morning? I think I think in Scotland, I think the word that I would use is probably relief. Because, you know, Labour have been consistently going backwards and backwards and backwards year after year in Scotland under successive leaders. And they've kind of stabilised that in Scotland. They made some progress, obviously, because of the Tory decline 
um, they're back into second place in terms of total number of councillors. But they've still got such a long way to go. And I think the challenge nationally, and when I say nationally, I mean UK-wide, is that if you think about when Labour governments have been elected, they have been elected to a large extent on the back of substantial numbers of Labour MPs from Scotland. And okay, Labour may very well look at the results yesterday and can see some seats where they could gain them back. But frankly, you know, they're still way behind the SNP and, and they're still way you know, far away from having the number of seats that I would have thought they would want and need to be sure that Scotland plays a part in electing a UK Labour government. Now, in Wales, Labour nationally heralds Mark Drakeford as some sort of, look what you could have had the rest of uh, Britain. How, how do you think Labour are feeling now? Because you'll, you'll have all the kind of gossip and stuff in the Senate, Jane. So what are the little chats within the Labour group at the moment? Well, you're right. Mark Drakeford is seen as a bit of a saint here, and that's just everywhere in Wales, I guess. I mean, you know, the difference in the way he handled COVID compared to Boris Johnson was 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 really why he did so well in the Senate elections and continues to do well. He's played an absolute blinder here, um, and he continues to do that. He's a very bright guy who's reflective and sensitive. Um, and so, yeah, in Wales, they've done well. They took Monmouthshire. Um, they've taken more seats, of course. Um, and I think the other aspect of uh, which is an interesting one, uh, listening to Kevin in Scotland, is that Mark Drakeford in Wales has played a really good game, as it were, a strategy on independence. So he's more or less kicked independence out of the water. Of course, Plaid Cymru didn't do well in the Senate elections. They, they moved from being the opposition party to they're now third but he talks about Wales having devolved more devolved powers and fighting Westminster all the time. And that plays very well with Plaid Cymru supporters and people who, you know, have toyed with the idea of independence. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that many people moved across from Plaid Cymru to Labour as well. Uh, we sadly lost our seats, as, as I say, in Monmouthshire to Labour. Um, but I don't think we lost many more to Labour. Uh, we stood our ground in Cardiff. We only lost one councillor there. We gained seats in Swansea from Labour. You know, we, we absolutely romped home there. And we gained some seats from Plaid Cymru as well in West Wales. So there, there's some real lessons to reflect on here in Wales. Um, but I'm going to be up front. I'm absolutely delighted to live in a country that isn't ruled by nationalists or the Conservatives. Um, <laughs> so for me, um, Mark Drakeford doesn't get much of a challenge. Um, of course, in the Senate, I do that all the time. But I'll be honest, and this is the secret bit, but it's not that secret. They have been very kind to me in Labour. They have, in Welsh Labour have, very supportive. And they, you know, they will be wanting to see the Conservatives beaten well and truly in the parliamentary elections. So I'm sure there'll be some some discussions shall we say so for people that don't know Jane for listeners that don't know where would you put Mark Drakeford in the kind of Corbynista on one side a Starmerite or Blairite on the other where would you where would he sit on that kind of spectrum well, he, he was up front uh Corbyn supporter most definitely and um he's not he's gone quiet over over Keir Starmer or as somebody on the doorstep here said recently Steer Karma. He's, um, he's not said much at all about him, um, but Mark is very left wing, very left wing. So my favourite 
policy is being enacted in Wales, universal basic income. Um, you know, and we have many, many other sort of very progressive left-wing policies that you might think were Corbyn-y um, being enacted here in Wales. So, but he's he's very, very shrewd, as I say, and he's 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 pro he's leaving next year, so he's standing down as leader in Wales in 2023. Um, so there'll be another person who'll be the leader, but I don't think they'll be that different. I think what Labour are very, very happy. Um, with Mark Drake. But the other thing he's doing is he's moving the voting system here to being um, proportion, more proportional and we're looking at how we can uh, have gender quotas here as well. Um, so it, it's it's all looking good, I'm afraid, sorry to say. Um, but um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what we do, isn't it, in politics? We, we want to change lives. And if that means we support a particular position, then we do that. So, yeah. Do you think? Do you think Mark with Mark Drakeford doing well in Wales? And I think Jeremy Kevin will correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but Anasawa seems to have done okay within the Labour ranks. They seem to think he's he's breathed a little bit of life into Labour. Does that put more pressure on Starmer because he's? I can't quite because we we described on the podcast he went from vanilla to French vanilla, so just a little bit fancy. And now where is he now? Where where would Starmer be? Because he obviously comes out and says yes, we've done fantastic, but. I, I just think Labour are a bit middling at the moment. Yeah, and I think the real problem for Labour is they're just middling across the board because they do have quite a strategic dilemma about, and one could put this very crudely about, you know, do they most want to win back seats in Northern England or do they most want to win seats, say, along the South Coast that, you know, Labour won in the sort of Blair payday time and so on. Um, and quite how you balance those two possible routes to success is genuinely a really difficult problem for Labour. The problem, though, that they face when you look at these election results, it's not like they're doing really well in one bit and poorly in the other. They're just doing mediocre across the board. So if you look at the Lib Dem vote share change this time, there's a really clear pattern that basically the more Remainer an area was, the bigger our vote share increase was. Yeah. But we still went up overall in our vote share in the more levy areas and that's what you want it gives us the breadth vote share up across the board but also the ability to work first past the post for council elections outside scotland brackets and hopefully wales in future and of course crucially for the westminster election that you've got breadth but also concentration labor was just uniformly down a bit everywhere and so i think that cephalogically adds to that picture of starmer being just a bit bland mm. and maybe and I guess, given how much we all dislike Boris Johnson, one should perhaps cross our fingers and saying that we hope that will turn out to be enough. A bit like being sort of bland and decent worked for John Major in 92. Um, although I do wonder quite what's going to happen with the police and um, his... Because as far as I can see, what Starmer is accused of doing was at the less serious end of breaches. Um, and the sort of thing that if he had immediately fessed up and apologised, people probably would have been quite forgiving of. But given that that's not what he did, and given what he demanded of Tories, it feels like he may have placed himself on a pedestal that it then turns out he knocks from underneath him. That, if, if he gets that analogy sort of, hasn't quite worked, but you know what I mean. If he gets any for, sort of charge, he has to fall on his sword. 
The, yeah, la- I mean, la- Labour, Labour's chances in the next election are doomed if he doesn't. Um, although, so, weirdly, will that boost Labour? I mean, given that he's turned out to be OK rather than brilliant as a leader, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps the irony will be that losing their leader will be a boon for them. Well, it just depends on who they get next, though, doesn't it? That, as with always with Labour. Can, but, can I come in there, John? Because yeah, I think course. Mark's analysis was, was really correct, you know. If he went now and uh, somebody like Rachel Reeves was uh, at the, you know, up there, then actually I think that would do really, really well. That would play really, really well for Labour. You know, that would really demonstrate that they are the party of, of kind of better moral behaviour than uh, than we're seeing the Conservatives. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting 24 hours. I don't watch the media very much, but I don't think he's been on very much, has he, Keir Starmer? I don't think so. He cleared it. He cleared some of the box. Yesterday afternoon, he came out and had to talk about it. I think he, yeah, he had to just clear the air regarding. But it, it, it'll be interesting for Labour because, I mean, and I can contrast that a little bit. And Kevin, you're obviously a campaign brilliant organiser. The way the Lib Dems have gone about this compared to Labour, we seem to have good focus on where we're winning. You know, in terms of, you know, if you look at the parliamentary seats we're hoping to grab, we've had successes sometimes in like the parliamentary seat, but then maybe not across the whole council. And actually, we're building a good strategy towards getting those key seats whenever the general election comes. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think, let's be clear, we want Liberal Democrats to win everywhere. Okay, and and I think we also need to recognise, as has already been said, What's great about yesterday was that we were winning in Hull as much as we were winning in Somerset. And that's great news. But when we think about the general election, I think we've got as a party quite a clear eyed view on the type of seats where we've got the opportunity to move forward and to win. And of course, under first past the post, you know, winner takes all. That's it. Um, you don't get any prizes for for coming for coming second, and um, so I think we've got a good idea. And actually, for me again, what was encouraging this year, and Mark can correct me if I've got this wrong, but actually, when you look at the the places that were having elections in this cycle, predominantly it wasn't actually in the places um, where we're looking to make most progress, probably in a general election context. Yes, of course. You know, I think South Cambridgeshire had elections, they did very well, Somerset, but with with a few exceptions, most of the places that were up this year were not really in those kinds of constituencies where we're looking to really challenge and gain seats off the Tories. But actually, again, in those places, South Cambridgeshire stood out for me, Somerset stood out for me, um, you know, certainly in, um, in Dominic Rab's seat, again, real progress. You know, I think it's given us real heart that, we know the type of place and the type of people that we think we can get across to us so that we can substantially win extra MPs at the next general election. And in in elections just generally, half the battle is knowing who is your target constituency. I don't even mean that just in a geographical sense. I mean, in a demographic sense as well. And so I think we've got quite a, 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 a clear idea and hopefully I think a steely focus on where it is that we can actually gain MPs and gain constituencies at the next general election. And I suppose, Mark, before I bring you in, the classic example of that, I'm going to talk about my good friends Tom Morrison and uh, Lisa Smart in Stockport, whereas I think it, when I went into this, I thought, oh, I hope we could take Stockport Council because we are the largest group. We needed just to get a few more to get the majority. But if you look at those results, we won every single seat in Cheadle. 
and that and you know for two key target seats and in the northwest where we're not blessed with lots of liberal MPs that was absolutely fundamental whether the team there has laser focused in and thought okay this is where we need to win to get that parliamentary seat and I take it you were you as party president Mark you're all in favor of that Absolutely. And here's a fun little stat. So if you look at the council uh, councils, which cover the Lib Dem MPs, so not just the wards in Lib Dem held seats, but the, the other wards in those councils as well, across them, this time we made net gains of 69 seats and the Tories lost 72 seats. Now, that's a big, big boost in our local government base in the areas that for a Westminster election matter most to us. But I think it's that combination, as Kevin says, that you know, we've had a couple of times in the past where we've done really well in, say, our held or the top target seats and poorly elsewhere. And that in the long term isn't sustainable. But it's those places like, you know, in London, for example, in Bromley, getting back on the council for the first time uh, in Lambeth, uh, getting back on the, you know, getting back on the council in Brent, going from one to having a group in Ealing, you know, doubling the size of their group, those small groups or those non-existing groups growing is just as an important part of it because in the end you know we need an active successful party in somewhere like Bromley because voters in Bromley matter but also because an active successful party in Bromley is then a team of canvassers who can go and help in the nearest target seat come the general election you know we all benefit from that breadth of support so yeah lots of really really good things I think perhaps the most important thing in many ways is the inspiration I hope people can take from the fact that you know, stories like the one Kevin has, you know, given from, from Edinburgh, stories like, you know, um, you know, what's happened with Anton in Brent, stories like what's happened in Powys, that we are once again in an era where if you get stuck in, you listen to people, you know, what people who have won elections before can tell you about what to do, although obviously ignore Kevin when he tells you you can't win. <laughs> you, know, it's, you can get stuck in and you can win. And there's a real, I think, optimism there that, frankly, a few years back, lots of people were doing all the right stuff and weren't winning. Yeah. And obviously, there are you know, a small number, sadly, of people who did the right stuff this time. And, and it's absolutely right. We acknowledge that and then, you know, didn't win. And that I know is tough when everyone else is celebrating. But hopefully our success elsewhere should give, you know, even people in that sad situation a sense of solace that we can definitely bounce back because we are very much on the up once again. Before we start talking about Boris Johnson, let's have a little chat about, because we were all on the ground, all of us, we we're all kind of active activists as well. So, and I can talk a little bit about how it felt compared to last year, because Preston has elections every single year. Um, and actually last year, we lost two seats. We lost two really good people. That UKIP vote went en masse to the Tories, as well as the Tories, just vote just going up. It was, it was almost unstoppable last year. We were knocking on doors people very sheepish, people who had voted Lib Dem for a long time just saying they wouldn't tell us how they would vote. It was chalk and cheese this year. That that vote was, our vote was back. The, oh, because we have, we have we have good data on lot in our target wards. We knew the only people that were sheepish were the rock hard Tories that didn't, either then didn't go out, according to our figures, or were just really just didn't want to say that they were voting Tory. And I think about maybe about a month out, I thought, right, something good's happening here. There's a good moment. We're getting direct switching from Tory. We're getting a good squeeze switch as well. Um, was that how it felt on the doors with you, Jane, when you were out there? We, we definitely had that sense that people were just, well, I think there were two things, actually. They were just not really happy with Boris Johnson and uh, the Conservatives. Cost of living crisis came up a lot. 
um, people seeing their council tax bills going up. But I think the other thing is that we really had a positive message. Um, you know, we've, we've won by-elections now. People think it's worth voting for the Liberal Democrats. Um, and, you know, to get back in the game um, is, you know, for them to see us as an option is really positive. But the other thing that I've commented on is that the Green Party did well as well. And that's, that's positive for us who believe in uh, proportional representation that these parties are coming up as well. So on the doorsteps, definitely Johnson, cost of living crisis, and the fact that they're seeing us as just a party that can win. And everybody wants to vote for a winner, don't they? They don't want to be on the losing side. So yeah, those are the factors for me really on the doorstep. Kevin? Yeah, so you mentioned chalk and cheese, John. And for me, the, the, the chalk and cheese in Scotland was that last year, I, I kind of, I found that people liked us. They liked Willie Rennie. Mm. Um, but the number of people who said to me, but Kevin, I just feel I have to vote Scottish Conservative to stop the SNP. Mm. And we just got squeezed out because uh, we were just, we were so small and um, we just didn't have the credibility. Outside of our big constituencies, we didn't have the credibility to be seen as the people to vote for if you just didn't want the SNP. And then, but this year, I just found that people were ready to give us a chance and give us a hearing. And I remember when we had our exchange a few days before the election, and I said to you that it felt really good. And again, not just in West Edinburgh, where we always do well, but in other places as well. And it gave me hope. And I think I'm, I'm, we'll come on to talk about Boris Johnson. But I do think because of what's happened nationally, it's really punctured the Tories in Scotland, as it has in many parts of the country. You know, Douglas Ross, the, the Scottish Tory leader, has not come out of the last few months well, <laughs> having called for Boris Johnson to go and then decided after the fights that he should stay. And um, he's come out of this really badly. And so a lot of those, you know, frankly, small L liberal centrist people who just felt they had to vote Conservative last year. They weren't really Tories, but they felt they had to vote Conservative last year. They just weren't prepared to do it this year. And, and for me, you know, we were a good place if you're not a nationalist, if you not just want, not just want a good, hardworking local representative, that was important, but also this kind of decency in politics. I think that's the thing. That was the mood for me. People just want good people in politics. And so actually, if you had a good candidate, you know, we haven't really done, you know, if you had a good candidate that was just a decent, hardworking person, I think they had cut through in a way that maybe it was a bit more difficult to get cut through in previous years. Mark, obviously London did very well. Your, your neck of the woods, obviously some of our councils in, increased in strength. But what was your feeling on the ground? Yeah, I mean, I think in London, it was probably the area where Labour did best. So it was tough for colleagues who were up against Labour in London. But more generally, I think the thing that struck me is I still don't know what the Conservative message is outside the Red Wall. And I said this, I think, possibly on edition of, of this podcast last year after Cheshire and Amersham. Mm -hmm. And again, in North Shropshire, it was a sense of if you're in the Red Wall, there is a Tory message. It might be one that all four of us on this podcast very much disagree with, but we can at least recognise what the message is. And to a lesser extent, there is a Tory message based around unionism in Scotland, although, as Kevin says, it's much weaker. But 
in England particularly and in Wales I think to a lesser extent as well it's really not clear what and and so I think the worry for the Tories is it's not that there's a problem that they need to fix like they've got an unpopular leader leader and if they just dump him that's the solution to everything or they've got an unpopular policy like say the poll tax and they just need to dump and that will be it is it's a much broader malaise and it strikes me in that sense the Tories are not so much in the situation they were in in the early 90s where changing leader and dropping the poll tax work they're more in that mid-1990s malaise we're trying everything none of it worked because it was a much broader sense now who knows it may yet be that boris johnson gets fined again he gets ousted and there's a new leader who on a wave of initial honeymoon gives the tories a boost and all of that so we, we shouldn't be complacent about this but i think that is now even for labor although as i was saying earlier they've got a really difficult choice you know if labor do actually make a choice mm. and on their strategy and then really go for it you can see a route for them yeah. There's obviously a route for us to success. The Tory route for success, in a way, is the toughest, although they're in the, you know, nominally the strongest position, because after all, they, you know, won a huge majority at the last election, and also a very healthy vote share. But I just, I will be fascinating to see. I'm on the train down to Tiverton and Honiton tomorrow morning. I just, I'm already regretting what time I have to set my alarm clock. But <laughs> that is clearly the next big challenge. It will be fascinating to see if the Tories manage to fashion a message of some sort in a way that they failed in Chesham, they failed in North Shropshire, and they failed across the country this May as well. And it's only going to get worse as well. The, the big economic hits are still going to keep mm. coming. You're going, they're, going, they're probably going to lose Wakefield. They're probably, well, hopefully they'll lose those seats to us down, down south as well. And again, I don't see... So I'm of the opinion now that Boris is here to the general election, I think now. I think... If, I, I feel like they've rallied around... If you don't get rid of him after the first fines, I think too many Tories have now like attached that... Their, their, credibility to him um, and there's no heir apparent so either he's going to go before the end of May so they have a new leader for the conference season or he's going to stick with it now I just and I think time's running out for the Tories to actually do something about it what are your thoughts Kevin on Tories not just in Scotland but generally yeah I mean I think you're you're probably right um I say just probably because just who knows I mean who would have thought really um, a couple of years ago, um, when he won such a big majority, that his position would be so prepa- so precarious so quickly. <laughs> um, so who knows what can happen? And again, frankly, six months ago, if you said to me, right, Boris is going to go, who's next? I would have said Rishi Sunak. I don't see that today. So so as we all know, politics is a, is a, is a funny old game. I, I, the one thing I would say, though, is I think we've got to be careful about how we respond to this. And we don't become complacent um, because I can tell you right now, you know, I'm in Edinburgh. I am going to be coming down to Tiverton and Honiton to help. Yeah. Um, and actually, for me, there's a, a bit of a worry that having smashed it in Cheshire and Amersham, amazing result in North Shropshire, people say, oh, well, we're going to win Tiverton. So it's fine. And, um, you know, we caught the Tories napping in North Shropshire. Uh, they will know that they're under real pressure in Tiverton. Um, and so I think it's really important um, that, that that we go and we help that as many folk go as possible. That is the next really important test. And I tell you what would be terrible in terms of the, t- turning the narrative around, not just on the Tories, but on us, is if we don't manage to do it. Yeah. Because the Tories will then make that a story about Lib Dem failure. And we need to avoid that. So I think, I think for the next few weeks, 
it's all about everyone to Tiverton because I think this is a really important by-election for us. Jane? Yeah, I, I think it's a, an interesting way ahead and I, I would agree. If he's not gone now, then he's going to be with us. And yeah, the dangers are that we build ourselves up to be the, you know, the, the, the champions against the Conservatives and we don't. Um, and, you know, great to hear that Kevin's yet again going to travel an immense distance to go and canvas. I remember sending Kevin off when he was uh, at the BNR elections. Kevin, can you remember the name of the place that you went to canvas in? You probably Even if I could remember it, I probably couldn't, couldn't pronounce it. it. <laughs> no, but you came down here and we were in Llangos and you went off to canvas in Llanvihangel and Gwynfa. Yeah, and there's no way thought, he was going to be able to say that. No, I he, couldn't he say it said, now. You heard it. He just said, I'm off, see you, you know, and that was it. That's what we're good at, but we do need to be more strategic, I think. Um, and that's why it's great to have somebody like Mark here, you know, as president um, and to have those really great campaigners in Lib Dem headquarters and across Wales and Scotland, because, you know, we do need to play, play this well and we do need to continue to make sure we are credible and, we, you know, losing the next by-election will be. Yeah. Much much worse. It, it was inter it was interesting the locals because there were there were a couple of uh, kind of activists uh, and kind of members of the public around. They were talking about these by elections that are coming up, and they said, "Which Tory was that? Was that the cocaine one, the porn one, or the child molestation one?" And it was like kind of that's a bad sign if you're not sure which of the sleaze parties is coming up. But in terms of again, Boris, I'm. And I said, until one of the, everyone's talking about Jeremy Hunt on manoeuvres. And as listeners know, I put a cheeky bet on Tom Tugan hat uh, before Christmas. There are, it's gone up. It's gone up. It, it, uh, it's now, they're offering me double my money and plus now to cash out, but I'm not going to, because I think he, he, he might do it. I, could, I, I don't cash out anyway. Um, but yeah, the Tories are in a funny old place. But like I said, what I said to my activists this year is for a lot of people, their default vote will be Tory. We have to give them a nudge to vote something else. And that's what we did spectacularly in North Shropshire is actually said to people, we gave them a chance to vote something other than Tory. But, and, but so yesterday was absolutely fantastic, generally for the Lib Dems. Do we think this is a blip? This is the, the one thing we want, we need to be also conscious of. Tories are massively unpopular now, but we need sustainable growth, building back up from what happened in 2015. Do we think this is a blip, Mark? No, I think, as you say, it's that sustainable growth is really important. And we've talked a little bit already about the breadth of our success this year. Uh, but also it's, you know, our poll ratings are higher. We've got more councillors. Our share of the vote in the local elections is up. We won two parliamentary violations across a whole range of different metrics and in different ways across all three of England, Scotland and Wales. We've been making progress and I think that's really important. But also, I think what has worked really well and part of the reason for that breadth of success is I think we've got increasingly good at focusing on what are the messages that are compatible with what we believe, but which also are most effective at switching voters. And the way I often put this is I just, you know, if you're a political activist, one thing that you have to accommodate yourself to is that when you get up at silly o'clock to deliver good mornings on polling day, the messages in the good morning leaflet are probably not the reasons you set your alarm clock so early, because what motivates us as political activists is often a bit different from what most motivates the swing voters to come towards us. 
And you're in trouble if those two were ever really far apart and contradictory. That that way, doom beckons, and rightly so, if they're contradictory. But and so I think one of the things we, you know, why you know people like me need to carry on working really hard at improving our internal communication. So the in, you know, so that we do talk about, you know, on the right occasions in the right ways about those things that really motivate us. But if you think about a lot of the outrageous worst excesses of sort of sleaze verging on corruption in terms of the government frustratingly in some ways that those are often not the messages that most move swing voters towards us and so I you know I certainly felt during this election my anger a lot of what the government was doing was keeping me going as the blisters were forming on my feet (laughs) but we didn't go sort of you know Corbyn Easter mad of just well we'll say what we want to say regardless whether or not the voters agree with it or not we kept that smart focus on say things that we believe in, but pick the things that most move the swing voters we need to win over. Jane, I know you have to get to a meeting fairly soon, so I'm going to let you give your final impressions. And um, we're also thinking about, okay, where does this lead us with the general election? You've talked about some seats like Brecon and Radnorshire, etc. So where where does this put the Lib Dems in getting ready for the general election? I think it puts us in a great place. We've got more councillors, that's more activists, that's more people who are really going to deliver in their their local communities. And that's where we need to be back, isn't it? Making sure that people can see what the Liberal Democrats are doing uh, in their local community. We need to, in my view, really hone that national message just to be really clear what we're delivering nationally at the parliamentary kind of position that's different I know what it is um but it is that elevator question isn't it you know we need to just have that uh really at the tip of our fingertips so you know I'm I'm very hopeful uh, across the UK I'm very hopeful I'm really hopeful in Wales and and of course that is my job as Welsh leader as well as being the only salutary soul lonely sad member uh, on my own in the senate as well um and i i really do want to say that it's about teamwork as well isn't it an amazing team this this team of the of the liberal democrats across the uk you know we see each other at by elections i send kevin off to bizarre remote places and he comes back and he uh, you know he carries on that's what we're about and um you know, we just keep smiling. We just keep going. Um, and people may say we're completely mad. And of course, there's part of that that's right. But we we are we are really resilient. And I know that whatever happens, you know, liberalism and its values will just keep going. So I am grateful and I'm going to have to go. But it's lovely to see Kevin and it's lovely to see you, Mark. And it's lovely to see you, John. Come to Wales soon um, and um, love to see you. Take care. Lots of love. Thanks, Bye Jane. Now. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Jane. Kevin, your point of view, because obviously local elections are one thing, general elections are another beast altogether. Our resources are more stretched. Our messaging, we get more, we get more messaging out there, but it's also so does everyone else. So what should Lib Dems be doing now? So I am um, it's a shame she's gone because I there was a really important point that Jane made that I thought was absolutely spot on. Um, and that's about what is our pitch at the general election. Um, you know, we, there's lots of ingredients in the secret sauce that wins elections, but but one of the most important things is to frame the choice. And when you frame the choice, it's not just about saying how bad your opposition are. And let's be frank, right now, we've got loads of material there. Yeah. That's, that's the easy bit. If you're Tory facing, that's the easy bit, right? 
But I think we do have more work to do to come up with a compelling narrative that says, and here's what you're voting for with the Liberal Democrats. Um, and that's not, you know, it, partly it's about values, how we articulate our values. I think that's important. But also I find that politics is quite consumerist now. People are less you know, entrenched, which is a good thing because you then got a better opportunity to get them across voting Liberal Democrats. But then people do inevitably ask, well, tell me, what are the things that you would do that would help me? And I think we've still got some work to do. We've got some time to do it. But I think we do have some more work to do that comes up with that compelling offer. You know, when I think about when I first joined the Liberal Democrats, really showing my age now, you know, it was all about the penny on income tax for education under Paddy Ashdown. Now, whether you agreed with that or disagreed with that policy, it was something very, you know, quintessentially that everyone knew Paddy Ashton and the Liberal Democrats were about. Um, we need to think, I think, more deeply. Um, you know, last time when it was all about Brexit, that's not going to be the thing this time. So I think we've just got a little bit more work, work, work to do um, around that um, to make sure that we do have that compelling offer for people that we're trying to get to switch across to us. I suppose, Mark, is the, is the, it must be a quite an interesting balance of, do you start early? Because obviously we all know you repeat the message until it finally sinks in. But then if you go too early, the other parties just steal your shirt by having by just take, basically taking the policy. Um, I suppose you'll, you'll probably, I know what you're like, Mark, you'll probably have figures on both of those things on what kind of motivates people. Because I think, I think there was a statistic came out during the course of this campaign that an average voter spends just five minutes a week thinking of politics. And how can we cram as much Lib Demness into that five minutes? Yeah, and I think the key thing is to be consistent about the values that you're promoting. And the particular policy or issue will vary as the news agenda comes and goes, as other parties do or don't do things and so on. But it's the consistency of value. So I think if you look back to that penny on income tax time, there was a series of different things the party and Paddy particularly were saying over the years that added up to a consistent picture. And so having, for example, Paddy being very vocal about the need for military intervention to protect human rights in former Yugoslavia, in a way is a very different policy from a penny on income tax, but it was a consistent picture about the sort of person who he was and who the party was about being willing to take tough, difficult, unpopular decisions that have real downsides because a penny on income tax is more tax. Military intervention means people will die. Willing to take tough decisions because there's a greater good that could be achieved through them. And so there was a consistency there. And I think we are getting better at that, that sense of giving people a fair deal. But definitely, as Kevin says, I think more work is needed on really sort of refining and sharpening that. And, it, you know, as I was saying earlier, it all has to be driven by what's going to most... What's the overlap between what we believe and what will influence swing voters? And it's that overlap. It's a sort of like it, it's believing in politics being about the Venn diagram, looking for the overlap, as opposed to the sort of the Overton window of, well, we'll say something that everyone really disagrees with. But if we tell people how much we disagree with them often enough, maybe they'll start disagreeing with us. And I don't know about you, but I've never found in life, inside or outside politics, that repeatedly telling someone you disagree with them ends up with them changing their mind. Yeah, and and that, and that, I've, I've said that a bit with some of the more um, Brexit-angry Lib Dems. They, they somehow think you're going to, if you call people stupid enough, they're going to change their vote. It, 
it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. You, you, the, the, the psychology of that is the people then double down and become defensive over that original decision. So I think some Lib Dems have to get into that mindset. But Kevin, I'm, I'm also just really interested. After a successful election, what should local parties and because a lot of activists listen to these podcasts, what should they be doing? Thank you letters, maybe getting some Facebook adverts, calling for people to join while that like, kind of good times is generally in the air. This is such an important question, John. Thank you. Um, I try every now and again. You know, th- this is critical <laughs> and I, I, because actually for me, what I find most upsetting, actually, as a Liberal Democrat, is when I see really good Liberal Democrat campaigners, when they get elected, they stop doing the things that got them elected. And actually, what gets you re-elected is the stuff that got you elected. And I've seen, I've seen some really great, thankfully not this cycle, but in the past, I've seen really great, hardworking, committed Liberal Democrat councillors who lost their seat because nobody in their communities knew how hardworking they were. They didn't do regular newsletters and they didn't, you know, um, feed into local Facebook groups. They didn't go out door knocking in between elections. And so, so for me, if you've been successful, the most important thing to do is to keep going, to keep the regular newsletters going out, to make sure you get back out on the doors doing your knock and drop surveying, not least because it keeps you rooted. And, <laughs> um, you know, it keeps you rooted in your community. Um, and it's that, you know, when I think about the progress that's been made, you know, in my ward, in the Almond Ward, 10 years ago, we got 18% of the vote. Yesterday, we got just shy of 60% of the votes. And that has been a lot of hard work over time. But for me, if you'd gone back to December, we probably would have got 60% of the vote. It was about retention in that final bit because the hard work, you win elections in peacetime. You bring it home when it comes to election time. So my message is, if you've been successful, um, yes, thank you stuff, really important. Make sure you thank your activists. Uh, because the, you know they are they are your gold dust. You know the hundred or so deliverers in my in my ward. You know I owe everything to them because you know they have made it happen. But for if you're elected, keep doing the stuff that got you elected because that is how you will win again. You can the way I always do it, Kevin. I always give my uh, activists something, usually a small gift to say thank you. You want to see the looks I got coming out of uh, a local supermarket with, I think, six dozen boxes of chocolate oranges to say thank you. So I should, I should just look to me go, Are you sure? <laughs> what about you, Mark? What are your final uh, things you want to recommend for um, local activists to be doing? So, A, thank people, and B, go recruit people. So thanking people, really important, and not just the people who are out active campaigning, but remember to thank their families, you know, and their close friends and colleagues, because it takes a huge amount out of people to really work flat out on an election campaign. And there's very often a, you know, a a parent, a child, a partner, who might even be a member of another political party, but who has, in that sense, willingly gone along with their loved one spending a huge amount of time on something else. And we should always be really, really grateful for that. Um, and then the other thing is go out, recruit members. You know, we need more members. We need more supporters. We need more activists. I think this time, as indeed in last year and in 2019, you can look see wards where you just think 
if only we'd had someone who really wanted to get elected as a councillor in that ward, there would have been more councillors elected uh, for us. And particularly membership recruitment is, I think, really important at this time of year, because getting in new members now, it takes a while to then figure out what's the best way to get them involved, to train people up, etc. So the recruitment of new members in May, June, July time is so important for then what happens in the next round of May elections. And, you know, who knows when the next general election will be. And, you know, we do have a local incentive scheme. So if you recruit a new member locally, you get them signed up locally, your local party gets a wadge of the money. So it's also a great way to, to get some cash back in those local party coffers. And, and don't be afraid to ask as well. Mm. So this, this is one thing. So we we had a campaign, our campaign this year. We these posters behind us. We we very rare, we thank people who put up posters for us as well. That's something we, we we now do. But previous years we never used to ask at all. This year we made a, an active effort. Every single person said, "Oh, we'll be uh, definitely voting this Lib Dem." We asked them if they would put up a poster, and whereas normally we get maybe ten out across the whole of our patches, we actually topped two hundred this year i mean not all of them put them up that's you know that's like but the fact is even if a third or half of them put them up we had one of the biggest post cams we've ever had ever just because we asked the question and it's the same thing for members and fundraising and everything else but no any final thoughts from either of you kevin any final thoughts going forward just have a have a have a weekend off maybe i don't know is that allowed well firstly it is important to actually just Take some time to recover <laughs> um, physically. I, well, one thing that I have found this year is I'm not getting any younger and uh, elections <sighs> seem to be taking their toll on me more than they did in the past. So I'm just picking up on Mark's point is it is important to thank all the spouses and the family, um, you know, who, you know, I, I say I could not do what I do if it was not for my wife, Jennifer, um, and what she does, I've got two young kids, and uh, I know those stories will uh, be replicated across many people up and down the country. So, so spending time with your family um, and thanking them is incredibly important. But I would just finish by, I think where we started, John, I think we should be extremely happy and very proud of our progress um, this year. Um, uh, it could have been it could have been very different. It was different from last year, and it's be, it's been because of a lot of hard work. And as I say, what's been great to see is gains in England, gains in Scotland, gains in Wales, gains for our sister party in Northern Ireland. This is a great day to be a Liberal Democrat. I don't think we can beat that as a sign off, can we, Mark? No, I think that's pretty much. No, perfect. I think. Uh, I, well, I, I guess just the not only is today a great day. Let's remember when all of those councillors take up their post formally, there will be more Lib Dems in power, being able to make a real difference to people's lives. Now, obviously, opposition councillors can do amazing things in their wards and so on as well. But also, the number of Lib Dem council leaders is going up, and that's that's the point of it. It's to win elections, to take power, to improve people's lives. More people's lives are going to be improved. And that's not happened because of something out of our control or just something that's in the news. It's happened because of the work that everyone listening, except maybe the Conservatives listening to this podcast, have achieved. So thank you hugely to everyone. And yeah, remember that through next week. Celebrate the fact so much more difference will be made to people's lives. 
And to all council leaders out there, don't put the new people on planning. That's just cruel. You know, that there's just there's just no we, my deputy <laughs> leader will try to suggest that. To <laughs> no, but congratulations to everyone who, who got across the line. Well, commiserations to people that didn't. Thank you so much, Kevin, Mark, and to Jane from before. Brilliant actually episode. We'll have more coming up as more things turn out from this, but do have some rest. But do also remember to thank and do what Kevin and Mark said as well. So thank you very much for watching and listening. You can follow everything to do with both the Lib Dem podcast and the Nevermind the Bar Charts uh, podcast on Instagram and social media and across social media. On comment below, do you agree? What was your highlight of the whole uh, campaign and of the results? So thank you very much for watching and we'll be back with more episodes very soon.